I heard a story once about a group of clergy, a Baptist minister, a Roman Catholic priest, and an Episcopal priest who would gather for breakfast each week to pray and discuss Scripture. One week they were scheduled together and they got a a text alert telling them that an asteroid was headed to the earth and that in just a few days the world would almost certainly end. The three ministers sat and prayed together and they tried to figure out what it is they wanted to say one last time to their various congregations in their sermons. The Baptist minister said to his friends, I am going to preach one last time on John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Roman Catholic priest said, I'm going to preach on Jesus' words to St. Peter in Matthew's Gospel. You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. The Episcopal priest thought for a, a minute or two, and then she said to her colleagues, I'll probably just preach on whatever is appointed in the lectionary for that uh, Sunday. I'm glad you all laughed. My wife didn't think that was a funny story. but I'm... That's my task for today, to preach on the Scripture appointed uh, in the lectionary. But before we get into today's Gospel reading, I do just want to take a, a moment of personal privilege to say thank you. When Luis Leon hired me in 2014, it was to come and work in this place for two years. That's the amount of time that he and I agreed for me to be here, and I was excited about those two years. And then as that second year was coming to an end, I was delighted when he asked me to stay on for a third year. Similarly, when that third year was coming to an end, Luis invited me to stay around for another year. And then, as you all know, he decided to leave, and the vestry here at St. John's asked me to stay on until we called and welcomed the 15th rector of St. John's Church. Now, uh, now is the time for goodbye. After five years, the time for me to say goodbye is now here. And I want to say that at least from, from my point of view, it's been a great five years. And so I say to St. John's Church, I say to you all, thank you. I'm, I'm so grateful to God and to this congregation for the wonderful, sacred privilege of getting to minister in this place. I told Rob the other day one of my favorite memories here at St. John's Catherine and I had just moved to Washington, D.C. from Chattanooga, Tennessee. We were living in the condo that St. John's once owned in Georgetown. We were exhausted from saying goodbye to one congregation. We were excited about joining this congregation. But most of all, we were just overwhelmed with the the mounds of boxes stacked in our condo waiting for us to unpack them. And on on top of all of that, Catherine was about three months pregnant with our, our first child. Catherine's parents were in town to help us unpack boxes, and her father, Dana, had brought along his truck to help me transport the innumerable boxes of books to my office here at St. John's Church. The day came that Dana and I loaded, it up, loaded up the truck. We, we drove to St. John's Church. We lugged all of those heavy books up to my office on the third floor of the parish house, and I can tell you that I was very proud of myself on that day. I was proud of my new office looking across the street at the White House, and I was just very proud that I was now working at the Church of the Presidents. And before we left to go back to the condo, I had this great idea that I would introduce my father-in-law to Luis. And so we went down to the front of the parish house, and I asked Evangeline if she would call Luis to let him know that I was now in town. 
And it was in that moment that I learned my first lesson from Luis and at St. John's Church. Evangeline called Luis. She put him on speakerphone and said, Luis, Andy is here and he'd like to talk, talk with you. And with my father-in-law standing by my side, we heard Luis say over the speakerphone, who the hell is Andy? <laughs> There's more. There's more. <laughs> Who the hell is Andy? Tell him that I don't have time to meet with them. And then he hung up the phone. <laughs> and in an instant, in an instant, all of that pride, all of that pride that I was carrying with me, all of that melted away. And it was a, a lesson in humility made even more powerful by having a, a loved one uh, watch me learn it. <laughs> true story. <laughs> I leave this place today overflowing with gratitude for all of the, the many lessons good and challenging that St. John's has taught me. I leave this holy place confident that I'm well prepared for the work to which I'm now called in New Jersey. As I said to you all in May when I announced my impending departure, I hope that you all, the members of St. John's Church, know how good a place this is for young clergy to work. I've heard from so many of you in these past weeks, and I've heard you say uh, how much you've seen me grow in these five years, and that's in large part because of you. You've given me the opportunity to learn and to grow in this place. Your reputation for training and mentoring priests is a stellar one, and after today, I join the ranks of the many other fine former assistant rectors who have gone on to do good work in other parts of God's vineyard. And so I just want to to close this part of my sermon by saying again thank you. Uh, thank you to the staff uh, here at St. John's Church uh, for allowing me to join you, to join them in the good work that they do every day. Uh, thank you to you all, the members of this parish who have loved and supported me. Thank you for taking good care of my family, Catherine, my wife, and our children, Charles and Mary Claire. They are, as I've told you all many times, my first and most important partners in life and ministry, and you all have gone out of your way to make sure that they are well-supported since we've been here. Uh, you've been there for us in some of the highs and lows of our life, uh, and we are very grateful. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you. <laughs> On to what you all pay me to do. We're in Luke's Gospel account this morning, and we hear... We hear one of Jesus' disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. And I think it's good as we listen to this gospel reading to notice what, what Jesus doesn't do. He doesn't respond to the request with a comment on proper posture or attitude or sentiment. He doesn't do any of that in Luke's gospel account, which is not to say, by the way, that those things are not important. They are, and Jesus talks about all of those things in other places. But today... Today, what Jesus says to his disciples is this. When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. Jesus responds to the disciples' request for instruction and prayer with, 
with very specific words, and in so doing, he lays the foundation for Christian prayer. Jesus is saying to his disciples that their words, that our words matter. If you want to learn to pray, Jesus says, then say these words. And the church has been faithfully praying and saying those very same words for 2,000 years. The words that we say, the words that we pray, they matter. Now, maybe more than ever, it's easy to do great damage with words. Think of the words used daily by elected leaders, words that don't build up but instead tear down, words that don't sow seeds of unification but instead sow seeds of deep division and cause great pain when uttered. The things that we say, whether in prayer or in daily conversation or on Twitter, those things can have a great impact on life and on our relationships. Death and power, death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's how the book of Proverbs talks about the power of language. The words that we say matter. There's a rhyme that many of us were taught as children. It goes, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You all know it, I know. And I think that those who, who taught us that rhyme meant well by encouraging us to ignore the, the taunts and the abuse of bullies. But the reality is, is that that rhyme is all wrong. Words can and do hurt all the time. And we have a responsibility, I think, to use our words carefully. We have a responsibility, I think, to call out those who peddle racist or divisive or dangerous tropes. We have a responsibility, I think, to respond with, with words and actions that bring people together rather than push people apart. Our words matter, and as John Calvin once said, the only thing more damaging than a loose cannon is a loose tongue. For just as words can be deadly, words can also give life. Think of letters you've received, words spoken at weddings or funerals, books and poems and stories that you've read, great lessons taught by professors or priests or intellectual heroes. Those words that they speak, they stay with you, they encourage you, they can quite literally give one hope. I often think of Fred Rogers when I think of the power of words. Many of you know that I've had an icon of Mr. Rogers hanging in my office these past five years. When we moved out of the parish house a couple of years ago for our renovations, I packed up almost every piece of art, every photo that I had, except for that icon of Mr. Rogers. I wanted him to accompany me to the law firm where we were working for over a year. And that's because I think Fred Rogers was one of the greatest theologians of the 20th century. It's you I like. That was what Mr. Rogers would say on his show. And think about how uplifting, how life-giving it is to hear someone say those words to you. It's you I like. Mr. Rogers explained that saying at one point. He said, when I say it's you I like, I'm talking about that part of you that knows that life is far more than anything you can ever see or hear or touch. That deep part of you, he said, that allows you to stand for those things without which humankind cannot survive. Love that conquers hate, peace that rises triumphant over war, and justice that proves more powerful than greed. It's you I like, and if you ever watched Mr. Rogers say those words into the TV camera, then you know their great power. In a day and in an age when words can so easily be used and broadcasted in careless and reckless ways, today Jesus gives us very specific words to say. 
When Jesus gives his disciples the words to pray, he's, he's not doing this just to make his followers more pious or more holy, but rather he is inviting them into a deeply personal relationship with God and with each other. The words that Jesus gives us are meant to bring us together. That's the power of these sacred words that we pray. Jesus invites his disciples to call upon God just as he does, as a child calls upon a parent, all the while trusting that God, our eternal Father in heaven, cares for us too. And as Jesus says after he gives this prayer, if our human parents know how to give good things to their children, how much more will our heavenly Father give good gifts for his children who call out to him in prayer? Jesus gives his disciples these words, and <clears throat> when we pray for the coming of the kingdom, we're praying that we too might contribute to the building up of peace and love, forgiveness, justice, the nonviolence of God's kingdom. When we say, your kingdom come, we're saying, give us, give me the grace, give me the courage, give me the, the capacity to contribute to the coming of that kingdom, to live in right relationship with other people. For that's the promise, isn't it? The promise is that when God's kingdom comes, there will be daily bread for all. Sins will be forgiven. And when the time of trial comes, we will find deliverance. When we pray these words, not only are we asking our Father in heaven to care about us, but we're also praying that we might be given the strength, the power, the faith to put these words into action as we work to do God's will on earth as it is in heaven. It's been said that prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. And as I've grown in my own faith and life, I've come to believe that that's true. Prayer does indeed change things. But here's the thing, and I think you all know this, it's not God who changes in prayer. The purpose of praying isn't to change God in some way. The purpose of prayer is to change us, to change me. That's why we pray, to be changed. I think that Jesus is telling us today that when we ask long enough, when we seek hard enough, when we knock loud enough, when we pray these sacred words, something happens to us. We are changed and we begin to partner with God, our Heavenly Father, to be agents of transformation in this world. Today Jesus shares with his disciples the words of a prayer that we all know well. Literally millions of people pray this prayer every day. Millions of people all over the world are saying these words today just as we will say them later on in the service. And if we let them, if we let them, these words can change us. And that's because these words matter. Lord, teach us to pray. And so we, with followers of Jesus who have gone before us, with those who journey with us now, and with all the faithful people who will come after us, we now say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into 